0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That's code for stop talking, come on in. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, see a lot of uh, friends and family here with us this this morning. Um, if I haven't met you, if you don't know me, my name is Ben Schultz. Um, I'm here on staff at the church. Um, I'm not the pastor. If you missed our service last week, uh, Pastor Jonathan Loneville was installed as the the new lead pastor, um, but no, make no mistake, I am not him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I'm excited to share with you here this morning. Um, we've been talking about live generously, about being a people who live generously um, with our money and in all that we do. This morning, I want to begin um, by sharing a story with you. This is the story of two young men named Jeremiah and Luke. They grew up in the Midwest um, in the early 1900s, so a long time ago. Uh, and they lived with their, with their parents uh, on their family farm. It was like about a couple hundred acres of wheat and corn, which a couple hundred acres isn't a huge farm, um, but for the time they lived in the Midwest where they lived, uh, it was enough for them to be considered quite well off uh, in the small town where they lived. Uh, but unfortunately, when the boys were young, the father died uh, in a farming accident. Um, the boys were, they were just graduating high school. They were in that, that, uh, their early 20s, like just becoming young men. Um, they lost their father, which was, as you can imagine, sad. And their mother decided that she didn't want to run the farm without the father. So she decided she was going to move down, back down south where her family was from to be with her, fa- with her family, take care of her parents, and, and, and go back and be with them. So she sold the farmland, and she uh, divided the money between the brothers. She gave them the the money from the sale of the farmland. Um, And they decided, because of how old they were, they were about to start out their lives, that they would, instead of following their mother, they would take the money and and they would pursue their dreams. So Jeremiah, the older brother, you know, always had a dream to go to college, um, which back in the early 1900s, that was a a pretty far-fetched dream to be able to do that. Not many people were able to, but because he had this, this money from the land, he was able to do that. So he went to, went to uh, a college in Chicago, was able to pay for it with the money from the farm, and he studied business and finance, and he did really well, um, and he had got into finance, and he actually, after a few years, he returned to the small town uh, that he'd grown up in, and he became the president of the bank there in that, in that small town. Again, um, not overly wealthy. Uh, but for the small town that he lived in, he was considered to be doing quite well. Um, His younger brother, Luke, uh, when they had the farm, he had always loved the animals and caring for the animals, and that was his passion. Uh, So he took the money that he got from the sale of the farm, and he bought a little small farmhouse and a little barn, and he actually ended up with a lot of the animals that that were his father's animals and some of his tools and stuff, and and he started raising animals and, and caring for animals. That sort of became his love. Maybe not quite as, as wealthy as his brother, the you know, president of the bank, but he, you know, he really enjoyed us, you know, was very happy. And um, so that went on for a couple of years and they were doing well. One Sunday morning, they were sitting in church because both of them were good Baptist boys and that's where you are in church on a Sunday morning. And uh, the preacher was sharing about a terrible drought that was happening in the south- southwest um, in the, those states in that time and uh, how that was co- beginning to cause a famine and it was really bad, especially for some of the poor communities. Um, it was hitting them really hard. So the church decided they were going to take up a, a collection to send some money to help those, those uh, less fortunate, those who were really in need. Um, so they said the you know, following Sunday we'll take up a collection. Both brothers were moved by the story that they heard uh, of the families in need, and, and they were talking about it as they left church. And, they said, and the older brother, Jeremiah, the banker, he said, you know, I have been very fortunate, and I feel like this is my opportunity to give back. Um, so I'm gonna donate $100 towards this. Uh, and $100 was a lot of money. I did a quick Google search um, in the early 1900s. $100 would be worth about $1,500 today. So it was a significant amount of money for someone you know, to give in a collection. And So he, he felt, you know, he was doing really good. said, so I'm gonna give $100. His brother, Luke, was impressed, and he said, and he said, I wish I could afford to be as generous as you are. But I only have $10 to give, but I'm going to give that, which, you know, wasn't as much. Well, Jeremiah, the older brother, um, he was curious, you know. He wasn't, he wasn't being pushy, but he was curious. And he said, I, I'm just curious. Um, you know, I, I know you bought that, that house and that barn, but you must have had some money left over from the, from the sale of the land. And, and Brother Luke said, yeah, I did have some money left over, but I used a lot of that money left over, and I bought lumber for the Jacksons when their house burned down. And Jeremiah said, hmm, wow. What about dad's tractor? I remember you ended up with his tractor, but I know you don't really need that, uh, so what about that? And Luke said, yeah, I did, but I, I gave the tractor to Mr. Taylor last summer. His, his um, died on him in the middle of right in the middle of harvest, so I gave him dad's tractor. Jeremiah said, what about the cows? I know we had a bunch of cows. Uh, maybe you could sell some of those. And Luke said, well, actually, I just gave the cows to this young family. Um, They just had twin boys, um, but not enough money to feed their boys, so I gave them the cows to help provide for them. Jeremiah said, listen, you said you wish you could be as generous as me, but truthfully, you are the more generous one. The $10 you're giving may seem to be a little, but the little you gave is all you had left to give, and that is the most generous gift. The story I tell you um, is to emphasize the point. uh, When we give, when we give what we have, that's giving generously. And living generously, giving generously, is something that we all aspire to. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, I think we all want to be generous. That's something we would all say, yes, that's who I want to be. But do you ever find yourself asking, Like, how much should I give to this situation? How much should I give to this need? How generous can I afford to be? I want to be generous, but how generous can I afford to be here? I want to look at a a passage of scripture, and I want to try to answer that question for you this morning. Um, I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, you can open them or turn them on more likely. Um, And you're going to go to 2 Corinthians. Now, Corinthians uh, is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. It, actually, it's second because it's the second letter that he wrote to them. Uh, there was a church that the Apostle Paul helped get started in, in Corinth, and then a couple of years later, he wrote him a letter just to give him some advice and some instruction and some encouragement. Um, and in his second letter, 2 Corinthians, he, uh, he actually gives a couple chapters where he talks about giving, and he, he encourages them to giving. Um, we're looking at chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, and if you've heard a teaching on giving, or uh, you've given a teaching on giving, you've probably, you've probably heard people talk about 2 Corinthians 9 because there's a lot of good stuff that's in there. So I'm going to look at just a few verses. Um, we'll start reading in verse 6. So this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. And each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest for righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Lord, I just want to pause right here and pray that you would come and breathe upon the scripture that we have read. I pray that you would teach it to our hearts. I pray that you would apply it to our lives. We Surrender ourselves to whatever you want to say to us this morning through the reading of your word. Amen. All right, the first lesson I want to point out to you from Paul's letter here is give generously, not sparingly. You can see this in verse six. He puts it pretty clear, black and white. Give generously, not sparingly. Sparingly means with limits, it means in small amounts. I'm giving what I can spare. I'm giving what little bit I might have left over. Generously, sometimes that word is translated, in some translations it says bountifully or abundantly. So I I like the word excessively. You're giving more than is needed. You're giving above and beyond. And Paul's saying if you give excessively, if you give more than is needed, then you will reap, you will harvest, you will get back. More than it's needed. That's what we see here in verse 6. But look, look at it closely to draw your attention to something. Notice, when Paul tells him to give generously, he doesn't actually say give generously, does he? He doesn't use the word give. See the word he uses here? Sow. He didn't use the word give. He used the word sow. Because when you give generously to God, it's more like sowing than giving away. You're not losing that money. You're planting it. You're investing it. And there will be a return on that investment. So um, we have a garden uh, at our house, uh, behind our house. It's a it's a raised garden box, um, and it's probably I think it's a square. It's probably twenty feet by twenty feet. Um, and uh, I want to so we you know been planting there. We're we're just getting the beginning of uh, getting some uh, veggies out of that garden. It's very exciting. Um, but months ago, uh, in the early you know, late winter, early spring, my wife Chelsea began to plant abundantly. She began to plant excessively in preparation for this garden. So we had this like next to our dining room table. There's a counter um, which we cleared off, and so she planted a lot of seeds in like you know little seed starter packs and little uh, cups or whatever, just on this whole counter. Um, and then we cleared out underneath the counter, and, we, and so we started putting them underneath the counter. We had like a light hanging there. And then th- we put some shelves in the window so the plants could go up on the shelves in the window. Um, and she starts finding um, like every little yogurt cup or applesauce cup or egg carton or anything. I come home every, sing- every day, I come home, and there are more seedlings, more plants, and they're spreading. And a- like you can't leave an uncleared counter space because it will have a plant on it. And I'm not exaggerating, you can ask her. And she knows how to plant excessively. And (laughs) I'm like, where are all of these going to go? Um, And then they started, so it was like every space in her house. And so that they're even outside of her house. And one of my favorite things, like one of my, um, you know, little pleasures in life is I love going out in the morning on my porch and sitting and drinking a cup of coffee in the morning. But in the spring, I go out on the porch, and the chair I sit in has plants on it. And the, the table has plants on it. So I have to sit, because they need the sun, right? They need the sunlight. So she puts them out there so they have the sun. So I'm in the, in the living room, in the dark living room on the couch, and the plants are out there enjoying the sun's sunset, sunrise. But then comes summertime, and all the plants go outside. Yay, we get our house back. And the plants go out into the garden, um, and she starts planting them. And now, at this point in the year, we have an excessive harvest because of her excessive planting. And there's like a, there's like a, a trellis, and it's got all these beans hanging on it. Are they beans hanging on it? Beans and cucumbers. Um, apparently, there's a, what do they call it, a, a mouse melon, because we have to make melons for the mice, too. They're little tiny cucumbers. Um, and there's... Uh, peppers and tomatoes, and there's carrots, and there, I a thing I'm excited about. There's rhubarb in the back. That's, I'm excited about that. Um, and we're starting to begin to see that. I mean, we have more beans and peas than we can snack on. Um, and it's because excessive seed planting led to an excessive harvest. This is a very simple concept. The more you plant, the more you harvest. No duh, right? That's easy. So Paul just takes this idea, and he applies it to money, the more you give, the more you will get back. So the first lesson is give generously. The second lesson that Paul gives us, though, just as importantly, if we look at the next verse, you'll see Paul says to give cheerfully. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, Because God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want somebody who feels compelled to give. God doesn't want someone who feels required or obligated. God wants somebody who has it in their heart. I want to be a giver. That's who God wants us to be. It almost feels like Paul is saying here: Listen, if you had a bad attitude, I don't even want your money. If you had a bad attitude, then don't even give it. The attitude which with you give your money is really important, and it reminds me of something that Pastor John said when he was speaking about live generously. He said, money is always an issue of the heart. And it's easy to think, well, this is just about my finances. This is just about the amount of cash I have and what I'm doing with it. But money is connected to your heart, and it reveals your heart. And if you're thinking, I don't really want to be generous because I need to keep some of this money for myself, you're revealing something that's going on in your heart. So, God wants us to be generous, not because God is low on funds. God wants us to be generous because He knows it will bring freedom in our hearts. It will work freedom in our hearts in a way uh, the other things don't. Giving is the language of love. Giving is the visible des- demonstration of our love, of the feelings we feel, when we express them. When we give. And it, it, it doesn't have to be money. It can be giving your attention to somebody, shows you love them. Giving your time to someone, shows you love them. J- giving your energy to help them with something. That's, how you, that's another way to express your love. Um, like if you're not willing to give something, do you really love that person? Men, I hope you have learned this lesson. If you're a married man, you, you hopefully you know this. It's not enough to just say that you love your wife, you have to give her a gift. That is the rules. If you haven't learned that yet, write it down. Um, But the same thing applies not just to our wives, but how can you say that you love God if you're not willing to be generous to him? With your finances, with your time, with your attention, if you're not willing to give to God, how can you say you love him? How about this? How can we say we love Warsaw if we're not generous to the people who live here? Uh, A few months ago, it was a few months ago, a while back, let's say, um, I was on Facebook and I saw a post. Some lady, I don't know, said that she was moving. She didn't have uh, any vehicles. She didn't have any help. She wanted to know if somebody could help her move. Um, And I don't know the lady, but I do have a truck. And I thought, you know, God God gave me a truck, so I guess I could use this to help him. I felt challenged. I was thinking about, uh, you know, Love Warsaw, which is the motto of our church. If you've been here any length of time, hopefully you've heard us say that. We love Warsaw. That's something we want to do. But it's easy to say it, and it's a whole other thing to actually put it into practice, right? And so I felt challenged. Am I just saying I love Warsaw, or am I willing to do something about this? So I was like, all right. Um, so I sent her a message, said, all right, I'll be there to help you. Uh, and actually, my buddy Sherman, has a, uh, point out Sherman, for thanks for helping out, helped me out that day, remember that? Um, and uh, so, you know, I think, all right, well, she says she doesn't live that far from where, she, she's not moving too very far from where she lives. So this shouldn't take too long, shouldn't be that hard. I'll pull up, load up a truck, take it to her house. If you've ever helped anybody move, it's never that simple. You know what, you guys know what I'm talking about? But we pull up and I'm like, all right, so where are the people who are going to load the truck? Oh, yeah, that's, we're the people who are going to load the truck, right? She did have one other uh, uh, guy who came, some friends came, but they were, let's say, not as young as Sherman and I were. So they weren't really in the place to move stuff. So it was mostly the two of us uh, had to take apart her couch to get it out her door, and actually take her door apart to get it out, and get all of her stuff out, and load all of her stuff out uh, into the truck, drive her to her her new apartment, um, which actually was your old apartment. Um, And it's a very very uh, tall, narrow set of stairs up into that apartment. So that was fun, <laughs> getting uh, all of her stuff up those stairs. Uh, and so in in her house, that helped her move stuff around her house. As you can imagine, it w- was tempting to get a little annoyed at this whole thing. Like, I thought I was going to be here for half an hour, and now we're, I don't know how long we were there. Hour and a half or so. Like, okay. Um, and uh, But I reminded myself, I'm not giving my time to this lady. I don't even know this lady. I'm giving my time to the Lord. That's who I'm giving. I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm giving it to Warsaw. And so I remained cheerful about it. I was like, I am serving the Lord right now, um, and that's something worth giving. Paul is encouraging us to give generously. He encourages us to give cheerfully. But there's still this question, I have an answer, which is, how generous can I afford to be And maybe you can relate to Luke in the story that I told earlier. Have you ever thought, like, I wish I could afford to be that generous. I'd love to pay for this or give this person money or donate to that. I wish I had the money to to do that. I wish I could be as generous as that. Um, And here's my answer. Give generously because God can afford it. Give generously. God can afford it. If you decide how much to give based on how much money you have, It will always be sparingly. It will always be limited to how much money you have. But if you give based on how much money God has, that's a whole whole other ballgame, right? That opens the door to excessive giving. Your ability to be generous is not limited by your bank account. Your ability to be generous is limited by your trust in God. And if you're worried about God, is he going to provide, if I give away all of this money, if I give away this much, is God going to provide? i got good news. Look in verse 8. Let's see what verse 8 says here. You're in 2 Corinthians 9 still. Verse 8 makes it pretty clear to me. God is able to bless you abundantly in all things. At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I don't know how you could read that and think, I'm not sure God's going to cover everything I need. It's pretty clear. I feel like Paul goes goes to lengths there to make sure you're getting the message. Abundantly, all things, all times, all that you need, every work, God is able to provide for you. Being generous is an act of faith. You're saying, I'm giving and I'm trusting that God's going to provide for me now that I'm giving. It takes faith to give first, but God always rewards faith. If I've learned one thing from the scriptures, it's God responds to faith. God rewards faith. So it takes faith, but God will reward that. It's just like, I mean, it's just like planting in a garden and harvest. You know, you're know, you putting a seed in the ground, and I'm trusting that eventually this is, this is not a waste of a seed. I'm trusting that eventually this is going to be vegetables that I can eat. I'm, putting, I'm giving money to something. I'm giving, putting money in the offering, or I'm giving money to another person, and I'm trusting that God will bring back a harvest. Generosity is a mindset. It's a mindset of trusting in God. Generosity is not a mindset of, do I have enough to give to other people? It's a mindset of, do I trust God enough to provide? If we think about, we can think about it in two um, different mindsets: a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And a scarcity mindset says there's a limited amount, and I don't have enough to give. Or maybe there's a limited amount, and I have enough. I have just enough that I can give some. But that's still sparingly. I'm still looking at what I have, what I can spare. And an abundance mindset says, God has more than enough. God can give, you can't outgive God. No matter how much I can give, He can always give me back more than that, right? Um, I heard somebody say recently something that was so encouraging and also challenging in a way that I needed to hear it. They said, Don't let the economy dampen your generosity. Um, my wife and I, I, I think we try to be generous. We like to be generous people, um, to give to others, to uh, invite people over to our house, to take people out to eat, things like that. Um, but in the past couple of months, I've definitely found myself, like, as I look at um, how much we're spending on groceries, how much we're spending to put gas in the car, all those things, that I'm sure you all have those same thoughts. And I'm thinking, I don't think we can afford to take anyone out. I don't think we can afford to buy meals for anyone else. I don't think we can afford to to give to this. And that like struck me in the face. Don't let the economy dampen your generosity. Maybe it should dampen your spending habits, that's another topic, (laughs) but don't let it dampen your giving to other people. When we're being generous and we're trusting God, it's like you're spending somebody else's money. World Vision. I don't know if you guys are familiar with World Vision. World Vision does this thing um, at Christmas time every year. They send us a catalog, um, and in the catalog there are all these gifts that you can buy. And what you're doing is you're giving them money, and then they're sending those gifts to other places in the world where they are needed. Um, and there's several pages uh, of animals, and so every Christmas it's kind of a tradition in our house. At Christmas time, is we pick some animals um, to give to you know some other some other people in another country. Um, and so you can, you can do like, you know, we'll do five ducks or two chickens or, or whatever. And the kids will look through the book and they'll, they'll vote on or pick which animals they think we should give that Christmas time. Um, and so they're looking at like, oh, they look at this. This would be cute. Here's a goat. Um, or they'll do a combination of things like one pig and two chickens and three goats or whatever. And they're like thinking how cute these animals are and how great they would be. Of course, I'm looking at the price tag beneath that where I'm like, you know, two chickens is like 25 bucks. Let's do two chickens. They would really like two chickens. And they're of course going like, "How about a cow? I'm like cow's like 500 bucks. How about you know we meet in the middle with a sheep or something? Um, but it, that's what it's like when you're being generous with God's money. It's like they don't care how much money it is. It's not their money. The number is irrelevant to them. to them. it's how great it would be to give these animals to another to another family or give these Things so it always stretches me and my generosity when I'm always like, okay, I guess we're going to give a lot. I think the last time we did a 10-pack of chickens and ducks and, and geese and stuff, I don't remember what it was. but um, That's what it's like when you have an opportunity to be generous. Think about it that way. It's not even my money. I'm spending God's money. So how much can I give this person? How much can I give towards this need? Doesn't matter. God's going to foot the bill. I mean, you have to have faith. You have to trust that he's going to provide for you. But if you step out in faith and say, I believe I'm going to give to this and God's going to provide for me um, after I do that, he will not let you down. He is a faithful God. Amen? Yeah. So when you give generously, you're giving God's money, and he can afford it. So give it generously. But Wait, that's great news, but there's more. So keep going to the next verse. Let's, it gets even better than this. Uh, actually, skip to, to verse 10. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, the same person who provides for you will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Not only will he give you seed to plant, to provide for you, he will give you more seed. He will enlarge your supply so you can plant more. It's explained even more in the next verse. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. God will give you more so that you can be generous. He's not only going to provide for you, he's going to provide for your generosity. Amen? Isn't that good news? Um, you know, my dad told me the, this cool story just the other day um, about a time, when I was younger, I was probably like a teenager then or something, um, but the, the church was, I guess, raising money for to pay off the mortgage, I think, or something like that, um, and the church members all made this commitment that, if they had any extra money come in, they found money or got any extra money in some way, they were going to give it towards this campaign to, to, I think it was pay off the mortgage. Um, and so my dad committed, all right, if I get any extra money, I'll, I'm going to give it to this thing. Um, and then, he wor- at that time, he worked at a radio station. Um, and his boss uh, said, hey, I need to find someone who can build a shed for me. And before he worked at the radio station years ago, he was a contractor, and he built lots of things. He built houses. So building a shed for him, was no big deal. Um, Take you five minutes, probably what he would have said. But it was no big deal for him to to build a shed. So he says to his boss, sure, no big deal. I'll build you a shed. Um, So he built a shed for for his boss. Um, And he decided, whatever my boss pays me for this, it didn't take me that long, wasn't that hard. Whatever he pays me. I'm just going to give it to the the church's campaign. This is my extra money I wasn't expecting. I'm going to give it. So he tells his boss, um, his boss said, I'll give you $300 for building the shed. Uh, And so he tells his boss, you know what? You're going to write me a check. Just write it right out to the church because I'm just going to give it to the church. So he does. And when my dad went to give the church, put the check in the offering, he realized that his boss had written the check for $500, not for $300. That's such a cool thought there. Because my dad was committed in faith to give, God multiplied the amount of money that he was able to give. God not only gave him um, something to give, his time and his energy, but he gave him more so he could be even more generous. And I think that's an awesome example, a very clear example of the kind of thing that God does when we uh, choose to be generous. Now, I believe this lifestyle of living generously is an important part of following Jesus. And, it's, and I'm not saying that because our church needs more money. I'm not saying because we're trying to get people to give more in the offering. I think you learning to be generous is an important part of following Jesus because generosity will stir a heart of love in you for people and it will force you to have faith in God. The more generous your heart is, the more you trust in God, and that's what this is all about. It's not about how much money do you have and how kind of a person you are. It's how much do you trust in God? How much faith do you have in him? How willing are you to be obedient to what he's calling you? So I want to end this morning. I want to challenge you, listen closely, to practice irrational giving. I heard that somewhere, and I liked it. What is irrational giving? It's generosity that just doesn't make sense. If your gift makes sense financially, then it's probably not generosity. Real generosity is something that, why would you do that? Like the story that Pastor John shared about giving away all of his money, newly married um, and has a, a large gift of money and gives it all away. That doesn't make sense. That was a bad financial decision. But that was generous giving, and he has reaped a harvest generously from God because of that. I'm not saying you have to give away all of your money, but I'm saying you can't outgive God. If you did give it all away, he would provide for you. That's what I'm saying. So I'm challenging you this week to practice irrational giving. I'm saying, I'm proposing, let's have an experiment this week. Let's all of us, let's do this. Let's ask God to give us an opportunity within the next seven days to be excessively generous to somebody, and then let's see how faithful God will be to us. Are you guys, are you guys in? Are you guys any you with me on this? Let's do it. Um, I'll, I'll pray real quickly to close us, and then uh, I'll get you guys out so you can... Uh, yeah, I know you're itching to be generous, so I don't want to keep you any longer than needed, all right? Lord, we thank you so much for how much you've provided for us, Lord. You've given us more than we could ask, more than we even know you've provided for us in so many ways, and we're so grateful. Um, and I pray that you would teach us how to be more generous, Lord. Open our hearts, open our eyes to see the needs, um, and uh, to give to the people around us. And I'm praying specifically this week, God, give us opportunities to be excessively generous in our community and in the lives of the people around us. Give us the wisdom and the faith and the boldness to step out in that, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to do. Amen. Amen. You know, I think it's worth mentioning. We did take up our offering already, but there are offering boxes in the back (laughs) if the Lord's pressing that on your heart. Just wanted to let you know that those are there. So um, be blessed. Have a good week. And um, I can't wait to hear next week how God has blessed you back. Amen.